listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Quick, big announcement. I just released the Creative Career Path workbook. It's a pocket kind of handbook. It's five by seven, 32 pages. If you love the Creative Career Path series, but you wanted uh, something more tangible to work through with some of these ideas on paper that you can kind of get into, I just released a book with a bunch of prompts and uh, the process kind of laid out all in one book. I'm super, super excited about it. Scout Books helped me make it happen. It's a sponsored item. And uh, I love Scout Books. If you wanna make a custom notebook, they do these beautiful uh, screen printed covers, or you can do something more like what I did, which is more of a full on book where you get into the interior pages. I love working with them. They're one of my favorite collaborators and they'll give 15% off to Creative Pep Talk listeners. If you wanna check that out, go to scoutbooks.com slash creativepeptalk. If you wanna go get the Creative Career Path booklet, the handbook for striking the balance between business and art and marketing your work, go check it out at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. All right, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is extremely exciting and special. 
we have on the show none other than Jenny herself from Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. Listen, you know, if you listen to the show, you know I like to speak in hyperbole. I get really excited about stuff, use extreme language. And uh, because of that, you know, over the years, uh, I've, I've become more sensitive to overhyping things. However, there are a handful of things, maybe five things. I could count them on my hand. Uh, the things that I am not afraid to overhype because I believe there are no words that can capture the brilliance of these things. And one of those things, I, I, I kid you not, is Jenny's ice cream. And when I moved to Columbus, Ohio, where Jenny's is based and where it, where it uh, started, I heard everybody's like, oh, you got to try Jenny's if you're going there. And I was like, yeah, all right, ice cream. I get it. I love ice cream. I'm sure it'll be a great time. But when I went there, I was overwhelmed by the the pleasant sensory uh, experience between the, just the way that the whole shop feels. It smells like fresh waffle cones. It feel, uh, it, it's got all these interesting flavors. It's like an adventure for your palate. And, uh, and I've never, ever tasted ice cream so delicious. I really believe it's the world's best ice cream. And I, it's growing like wildfire. I'm sure there'll be one near you very soon. Uh, if not, I'm sure it's in your local grocery store. Anyway, whether you've tasted it or not, and I highly recommend you figure out how to do so, uh, this interview is going to blow your socks off and here's why. So you hear me talk about stand-up comedy all the time, about how I think that's like a really pure form of, uh, of craft and creativity. And I think every creative can learn from stand-up comedy. Well, I think uh, food, cooking, chefs, all of that whole culinary world is another prime example of you know, a, an industry of creativity that's so uh, experienced in the world of business. And there's so many giant takeaways that you can take from people in that world that are crushing it. Jenny is uh, crushing it in a totally um, uh, incredible way that is uh, that I am so fascinated by. And I was thrilled to get to talk to her. And I was desperate to just get to know her story and see what, you know, lessons she had. And her story is so inspiring. And there are so many, there, there are literal uh, big aha moments in this interview that I'm going to reference uh, many, many times, definitely in the next couple episodes of the podcast, just trying to unpack some of this uh, brilliant stuff. I know you're going to love it. Here she is, the brilliant woman and entrepreneur, Jenny Britton Bauer. I wanted to start by just talking about life before ice cream hits you, before that kind of magical moment. Uh, what? What was life like before that? High school, middle school, childhood? Were there? Was it a struggle, or were you always just like crushing it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, funny. I thought I was crushing it. <laughs> right. Like I never. I. It's funny because I was an introvert. 
um, nobody who knew me would have been like, Jenny was like a, a young girl of like serious confidence. Nobody would have said that. Anyway. Yeah. All of my teachers would have, would have said, she's very quiet, very reserved, very shy, very patient, very kind, would like to disappear. <laughs> right? That's what my teachers would have said that about me. Uh, how to describe you these days. Right. Yeah. Well, and like, if you knew if you knew me and could go a little deeper back then, you wouldn't have said that either. It took me a while to figure that out. But, um, but I was like that at school because I hated school. I didn't like to be there. I didn't like. I don't. I don't like to feel corralled or like pushed. Yeah. Um, at all, and like that's just. I mean, since I was born that way, like it, mm-hmm. there's never a time when I don't remember. I went kindergarten. I remember like that's just not for me. I don't like standing in lines and doing what people tell me to do. Yeah. And it's really hard for me. And so my way of dealing with that, I think in many ways, was to basically shut down for those hours of the day, which I did all my life in school. Mm-hmm. And then I would go home and I had an incredible, really incredibly rich life of making things and um, reading and exploring. And we moved all the time. So there's always something to do, you know, something new. I mean, I moved almost every year. So yeah you know, seasons would go by and I would, you know, I would have one spring in the house. And so I would be exploring the neighborhood, exploring our yard or whatever for that spring. And then we moved to a different one and I'd have a new spring in summer and winter to explore over there. And anyway, I just, um, I would always make stuff. I started selling stuff pretty young. I loved making and so I had a grandmother who was an art teacher. So for me, my whole entire world was this like imaginative world that I lived at school because I was not at school when even my body was there. I was working on all my other stuff, I mean, deeply. And then I would get home and we'd be, I'd either work on it myself or with my sister. And then often it went out into the neighborhood and other girls would join whatever whatever it was that I was working on or Julie, who's my sister and I were working on, whether it was a club or a play or a, you know, an inventory for something we were building or doing and um, or, or a fundraiser or a nonprofit that we were doing for yeah. a, and a, like a thing. So for me, and I did this all the way through high school. Yeah. So for me, that was what it was always about. It was like, it's like following my um, curiosity. Just con- I was always like, there was always something more interesting to me than what everybody else was doing and what school was. And mm-hmm. so I was always figuring that out and like very encouraged to go do that. And um, I think, always yeah, very restless about all that. I, uh, I'll save you the whole backstory, but my story is pretty much identical to that. And I think the difference maybe between you and I was that I was not really encouraged to do my own thing. So my my mom is the artist, but she wasn't around, so I was raised by my stepmom. People that listen to the podcast know the whole sad story, right? But uh, my dad and my stepmom raised me, and they're both type A, corporate, like climbing the ladder. And, And so to me, the difference was I was interested in all that stuff. If I had an idea to sell something, they were like, why don't you just get a job? Like that, you know? So, um, but I totally relate to, you know, being, kind of having that knee-jerk reaction to being corralled and waiting in line. And I had a job at a movie theater and I was just, I would feel physically ill. They would make me be a cashier. I would go in that box and I'm telling my dad like, I'm ill. I can't stand there and do this. And, <laughs> and I can't count this be, money and do all that crazy stuff. I would have felt the same way. I, um, but I loved working and I loved yeah. making money yeah. because my family didn't have money. And so for me, money was freedom. and. I would, I, I tried to make money from as early as I could. And yeah. so by 12 years old, I was babysitting, like, I mean, I was babysitting like industrially. I mean, I had stacks of cash on my door. <laughs> but what I would do is I would go buy fabric to make clothes or clothes for dolls or, clo- you know, things that I wanted to do. I'd go buy art supplies. Um, 
And now I don't remember where I was going with that, but. So you're a parent now. Yeah. Do you do this? Do you, are you very encouraging of all the extracurricular interests and. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, like, I struggle because I, I want my kids to stay in the same school. Yeah. Um, to have a group of friends that they can feel comfortable around for a long time to, to, to learn to build friendships like and relationships. Yeah. Um, and luckily, my daughter's in fifth grade and my son is in third grade. And luckily, up to this point, their teachers um, are in a sort of a new era of teaching in that homework is, is less of a thing. Yeah. And my daughter Greta is getting into more of an age where she's going to start having more homework. But she's also been in a school that taught her these, you know, how to do it and how to stay on top of that. But I, but I struggle a little bit, too, because I, I mean, I want them to do their homework and I want yeah. them to have that life, but I want to make sure that they have time to breathe and think and do and create. But, um, you know, I don't keep up with other parents when it comes to, like, scheduling in sports. Neither one of my kids are particularly good at any one sport. Yeah. And in our school district, a lot of kids by now are. And, you know, we kind of jump around a little bit. And, and it's okay. A lot, of, a lot of kids do that. But, like, we're not scheduled three days a week. We're scheduled, like, one day a week. And yeah. often it's a writing class, not a sport. So, um, and then the rest of the time, you know, I really do want them to be um, I mean, even if they're just playing video games, like I am not opposed Me neither. to that. Yeah. And I know that that's going against the grain a little bit, but I find these games to be, I'm like sounding like an old lady, these games <laughs> to be highly creative. Me too. And like, like there is, I mean, besides walking around in nature, which I, I also believe deeply in yeah. and reading books, of course, which we also do, I think like there's just so much wonderful exploration and, and imagination that goes into that. So anyway, I have a little bit of a different view on some of that than other people. Yeah, and my my experience is the same. And I I struggled with homework really bad. And I get I have kids, and I was really concerned uh, that in elementary school even that they were going to get loaded down with homework, and they haven't been. Mm -hmm. And that was a relief because I just think you're all. It's not like they're in a day job where you know they need to be doing this stuff. 10, 12 hours a day, like let them do that mm -hmm. part of the day and then let them go, you know, do their own thing. So, well, and I'll tell you, like my daughter writes like almost compulsively, like she writes volumes weekly and, yeah. and it's beautiful and wonderful. She writes letters, she writes um, stories in letter form um, and other things too. And, um, and it's really, really amazing. But I have a firm belief, because I know this is true about me, um, that kids are who they're gonna be, yeah. right? That that I didn't grow up to be somebody different. I grew up yeah. to be the only person I could have become, which is the only person I ever was. Right. I was doing all of the things, and I mean down to the daily details of what I do every day. <laughs> the same thing. After school right. every day when I grew up, when I was growing up. And not every kid's like that. Like my son isn't gonna grow up and play video games because he played video games after yeah, school every yeah. day. I mean, I also watch TV and do other things. But like, there are things that I can look at, definitely in my daughter who's a little older too, but like, those things are what we as parents need to keep finding, allowing our children to have time to do yeah. whatever it is that they're doing that they're good at. Like if they're good at, like I was really good at bringing people together, like really like connecting people and mm -hmm. then creating projects and, and doing them. And like, that's exactly what I'm doing now. And so, I don't know, as a parent, it's like, those are the things that I'm on the lookout for. Yeah. Is so what are those, what are those things that they're already good at? Who are they? Yes. And like, how can I stewarding not that. squash that? Yes, yeah, totally. I completely agree. I think it's like, you're the thing I'd be most concerned about is trying to trying to cultivate something that isn't there, 
or trying to uh, erase something that's there or not give space And for people it. do that. And I think when I you overschedule your kids, you're doing that. You're yeah. pushing them in that, in that, into, into something and you're, and you're praising them for being what you want them to be or what you expect from them. And often not what they, not giving them the um, stage or the, the, the place to, to find out what that is, the explore it and then become yeah. it. And, or, and then, and then, you know, do it, you know? And I think my, like, so, yeah, so I have three kids and I, I feel like the best part and the most uh, encouraging I can be with, with three kids is seeing what's there. That's like the most fun thing because they yeah. do come out so fully formed. The, in their DNA, they are. Like, there's a wired Which is also thing. why, I mean, I will never judge another parent. Like I say all this stuff because I'm judgmental of myself. Right. Yeah. And I know what I don't want to be. That isn't saying that like I'm looking at some specific human being who's doing that, yeah. because I know how. And my kid, my my sister has children who are so different from mine, and they're much more sporty and like that sort of thing. I just I know that now, like you do too, and I know yeah. that parents um, find that in their kids, and the best parents are the ones that um, continue to feed the things that their kids are showing interest yes, for or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but the last thing on earth that. I want to do is like act like I know all the answers either yeah. because because kids are are so different oh, yes. I mean, just like you just like grown-ups are and and my I think my parents the struggle was is that they both had the exact same path to success mm-hmm. and so that's the only one that they knew and my and everything about me was like a weird anomaly or frightened them because it was like my mom sort of like he's gonna be like her we got to we got to get this out of him, this creative spark. We got to like crush this thing because it is going to lead to, to craziness. So, um, but yeah. So, okay. What, real quick before we move on from that, were there things about that season that were actual struggles, pain, like things that were like genuinely hard for you? Oh, as a kid? Yeah, just before, um, before I you will... get the call to ice cream, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I had not an easy childhood. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I managed through and I went my direction and I, I, there are, there are those incredible, like I had my world, but I wasn't just, of course, as any kid, I wasn't just in my world, right? I was in my parents' world. Yeah. And that, that was not a good scenario. And like they struggled deeply and in every way imaginable. And like, um, I, may, I, I, as all kids do, found my way with my sister, and I was lucky to have her. And um, you know, and it was up and down and in and out. And eventually, we absolutely 100% lost everything. I mean, I, um, you know, everything fell apart. And so, and uh, more than once. And yeah. so, by the time I was, you know, 17 or 18, was really pretty much, I mean, for all intents and purposes, on my own. Yeah. Were you afraid? Like for your future, for what you were gonna do. Uh, you know what I was afraid of. I was afraid of becoming like them. Yeah, right. So I will tell you, like I like, I was afraid that if I didn't get control of my life, that I wouldn't, that I would, that I would live this backward life, and not be able to get out of it. Yep. And I and I and I look to that and think that's what propelled me. And I feel the same. My motivation. sister feels the same way. Yeah. I mean, she, my sister's like, I mean, she walked out of high school. No, no, neither of us were expected really to graduate or even like go to college or anything. Yeah. Julie walked out of high school with some F-bombs to her teacher. Um, right. Got her GED. Yeah, that teacher then failed her, and which meant she couldn't get her degree. And like, got her GED, and now she's like uh, like a coder for national defense. I mean, she's an amazing <laughs> yeah. human being doing amazing things. But I think because of that, 
you know, I, I see kids who come from places like where I came from and like I have, my parents are good people, but it was a tough, it, they were, it was tough for them. Mm. And I see people who come from places like me where my, you know, my mom couldn't afford gas sometimes. We'd have lights turned off. All these things, you know, were so hard for her. And, um, and I think like what an advantage in some ways it is to totally. have that yeah. to like compare yourself to and that you don't have anything to lose. Yep. Starting out in life with nothing to lose and no parents who expect things from you. I didn't take the SATs. I thought that was baloney. Yeah. Um, is actually like, I don't know. It's maybe an advantage and maybe it's something that's a, it, w- it certainly was for me. And it depends how you're wired and all that kind of stuff because for some people they take that it's, same situation yeah. and do something completely different. But, or yeah. just like one little thing in their life might have put them on a different path, right? Somebody made them feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. And instead of the opposite. Yeah. Somebody gave me the book. I mean, it's so funny, but it was Wayne Dyer, you know, the, the doctor guy or whatever he is that he like sometimes speaks on PBS, but he's like a I've super help name. guru yeah. guy, <laughs> self-help guy. Yeah. Um, somebody gave me one of his books early on and I read it and I was probably like 19 and I read it. And the one takeaway from that book was never say, why me? Mm-hmm. And I remembered like during so many of the different struggles that we had as a family, like you know, my mom just kind of giving up and like, this is just happening to me instead of that I have power in it. And from that moment on, that was a huge turning point for me. I was like, whatever I face, I will own. And whatever it is, I will just walk toward it instead of away from it because otherwise I will live a life of fear, in Mm. fear. Mm -hmm. Man, that's incredible. So, uh, so I know that you, you had a lot of things going on because you went, you went to OSU for art and you also had uh, an interest in like, perfume and, and essential oils and all this, but how does ice cream happen? Could you just tell that story? Yeah, I, I mean, I got into Ohio State because I, I mean, I didn't get in because I didn't do my SATs and I got straight D's in high school because I was working and doing other things and I, I had a good time. So I wrote Ohio State a letter and said I was working and doing a lot of other things. And then they were like, oh, well that's cool, so you can come. And that was great, so they let me in. Which was awesome. I was doing stuff, all right? I didn't have time to do school. That's exactly what I basically (laughs) said. That's awesome. Um, But they let me in, which was awesome. So I met a lot of great people. I was really inspired there. I love Ohio State so much because it is such a massive university with so many things to do. I took one class all on vampires and vampire, (laughs) you know, um, legend and and mythology or whatever. And I took the classics and I took a lot of art history and I took a lot of fine arts. But of course, like, I'm, you know, your career counselor and everybody else in your life is like, but what are you going to do? Like, when are you going to focus? Because you do, you should really get a degree while you're here. And like, (laughs) then you got to do a career and all this stuff. And like, um, and so I was thinking about that. I was working at a pastry shop tour or a bakery and thinking like, maybe I should, you know, I like doing things. I like to be active. I like to physically do physical labor. And so I, I was thinking maybe I should be a pastry chef and I couldn't afford pastry school. That was a whole different thing. You had to get not only afford the school but you have to get to New York for six months and like afford to stay there and like I was on loans and um, grants for to go to Ohio State so that wasn't going to work and then I was um I had a friend who worked in the chemistry department he brought me some like little vials of whatever compound that had a scent it's it's like spearmint or one other one had wintergreen another one and I started to realize that I was like really into my sense of smell and then I started to look back at my childhood where we had 10 acres of forest land that we cultivated and Mm -hmm. like um, did art in and I was very connected to the smells of the forest like so connected that like and my sister's got a really strong sense of smell as well and we used to always talk about that and I was like I think I could be a perfumer like I think I would actually be a really good Are nose. Are you pretty sensory just generally? Very yeah. and in particular I'm, sens- I'm I'm connected to my sense of smell. Um, the odd thing was at the time and this is just how life works you know you get these like signs or whatever things just cross over things yeah. that you're interested in you notice them at Ohio or at um, the Wexner Center 
there was one artist that was a um, a part of an exhibition they had going on, and the art was these giant vases, um, like like um, four feet tall, that you would take a lid off and smell what was inside. Oh, that's cool. And so I was thinking about scent at the time. I was thinking about art and how I was going to find a career in art. Thinking about you know perfume, and I was thinking about pastry, and then I saw that, and I was like, no, I mean, art scent really truly can be art, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a whim one day, this is probably a couple months later, a few months, or actually a couple years later. I mean, I started doing collecting essential oils and making and blending them, and I was blending essential oils and scents, not just essential oils, but into scents that were that would remind me of childhood. Yeah. Just trying to mimic those, yeah, which was cool. kind of fun, and then yeah. making perfumes for people. And then one day I had this, uh, you know, I had a drawer of, full of essential oils in different scents, and uh, um, and I and I had this idea to mix them into ice cream because right. when you're a perfumer, you either use high proof alcohol, which I would have to drive to K- Kentucky to get, yeah. or you use oil that is solid at room temperature but melts on contact with your body. And not all fat is like that. I mean, cocoa right. butter is a great example of it being not like that. Yep. If you have a cocoa butter lip balm, like it doesn't spread on your lip very easily, but coconut oil does. Okay. And so different oils have different melting points in um, yep. ice cream. And butter fat, which is the fat that's in milk, actually happens to be perfect for that. Right. So that's the long story of how I get into that. Yeah. Um, and, it, and my, my and like I was just like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever. And there's a lot of interesting things that are happening there. And wh- one of the things I'm trying to do on this podcast, so mo- so I'd say every two or three episodes is an interview, but uh, most of them are monologues where I'm just kind of talking through different ideas about finding your path as a creative person. And two things that you kind of said there. One was noticing this thing about you, which is like a self-discovery thing about, oh, I'm like really obsessed with my sense of smell and like cataloging that away of like, okay, this is a thing that I'm gonna carry on to something else. And then another moment you had is like, oh, and this can be art. So for me, mm-hmm. uh, even podcasting and talking, I was already a full-time illustrator when that kind of came uh, to me, but I realized I love to talk, I talk like crazy. To me, that's like if I was a woodchuck, who chucks wood. I'm a talker who talks. That's what I do. Yes. I'm gonna talk like crazy. And that and I and then so that was a discovery, but then another discovery was, oh, and that can be art. Like there's a way. Well that's interesting yeah. you say it that way too, because I always talk about like, well there were these like ice cream is and my style of ice cream is like where my interests at the time collided. And my style has changed over the years a little bit, but like all based on this one thing where it was like I was doing the things that interested me that I was like compelled to do that I just like you do that. I was That's drawn magnetically yeah. to those things and then I found where I could be of use to someone else right this is my thing yes. I'm so obsessed with it I'm doing a and giant it, yeah. series about finding your thing and finding who needs it or how they need how does that thing serve somebody else yep. like when you find that sweet spot that is the that's the transcendent I, I, that's, moment. A, that's all it is and yes. if we allow our kids to have the broadest experience the, or the one to, to become the people that they are you know what yes. I mean um, and to cultivate to, what they've got yeah. yeah and to give them experiences that feed that and, and also that open them to new things too but but with you know that then then they become uh, people and what they do in their lives is so powerful for they become a rare America thing. in the world they become a rarity yeah. when they gather these experiences mixed with their DNA, because they become this unique thing that isn't and everywhere. The, and the most important part of that, the, the, the thing that, that is the most important part of that equation is that, you know, it used to be that we would wake up in the morning as farmers and go out and farm because we would starve if we didn't, right? right. And now we don't have that. We wake up and we get in the car and we go to work and we go to sleep and we wake up and get in the car and go to sleep. 
But what we don't have is that intense motivation. The meaning of it. The meaning of it, the feeling, the connectedness of it. And so when we, if we, if we, so this is a way to do that. You know, yes. getting, because nothing drives you more than, than, than the thing that you are uniquely suited to do and the yeah. thing that you can then become better than anyone else. The significance of that. Or be in the top the percent, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and if you force somebody to do something that they're not into and, you know, that, so this is a, I mean, this is how we should be building America, yeah. you know? Yes, I, I talk about, you know, getting obsessed with understanding your DNA, understanding your experience, understanding who you are, what you've got, and then figuring out how to plug that into a place that's where it's and, that's needed. And then yeah. I'll just add, like, but don't be too serious about it. Like, just do it. Have some fun and do it. Like, just, just start now. If you're eight years old, yes, yeah. do what you want to do. Yes. Like, do whatever you want to do. Now, you can't do that all day long, but you can do it. And you, and you do have to get smart. Like, you do have to go to school and learn yeah. and all of that stuff. But, but go do what you want to do. If you're 65 years old, just do what you want to do. Like, don't go searching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, don't, I, I always say flavor surrounds you. People ask me a lot of times, like, where do you come up with ideas for flavors? And the funny thing is they ask me that because they're from New York City or they're from LA or they're from Chicago or they're right. from Miami or whatever it is. <clears throat> and they oh, believe that like, that there's no flavors like, here how in do Columbus? You, how do you find all of these like amazing things in, in Columbus? And this is, right. it's, they don't say that so Partially much anymore. they think that we're, we live in huts in Columbus. <laughs> but especially so 10 years ago, especially yeah, 10 years true. ago. And like, how are you doing all these amazing things? And I'm like, flavor surrounds you, right? So every, you could go anywhere and find like flavor and find something. Mm-hmm. And the idea for me is like, just start, just like open your eyes and do something. Yeah. Start with what you have because it's actually a lot more than what you think. Yeah. And that same thing is true with flavor. I mean, you can walk into any library and find an idea for a flavor or, you know, walk through, I mean, I don't even, it's anywhere there's an idea for a flavor. There, are, Every single thing on earth has a, a history to it that you can find a flavor to that you have yeah. something connected to that that's great but the same is true about action it's like just don't wait for things to be perfect or to find for inspiration to find you find it in front of you right yeah. just it's open your eyes and do something get started making stuff mm-hmm. and yeah stay but it should be something that, that you are really truly curious about and so uh one of the things I, I always think about is, I, I will talk to a lot of people that are stuck and they'll, they'll tell me, oh, I have these very contradictory interests. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, wh- whatever it is. And I always say, anytime you're seeing a contradiction, it's like a moment for uh, creativity. There's a moment to build a bridge. And so for you, uh, when did this, how did the uh, sense of smell, aromas, all that, and art, turn into ice cream because there's well, a Well, and also, like, there. speaking of contradictory, I mean, it's like chemistry and art. I mean, it's ice right. cream is a deep, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's science, but it's like yep. specific chemistry. And, uh, but also ice cream is agriculture. Mm. And like, it's a really difficult, uh, set. like milk is a really difficult world mm. to unravel and like actually get milk that you want to use and like, or, you know, the best milk or whatever. I mean, it's like, not like strawberries. Um, so agriculture is a huge part of it too. So there's a lot of this, like, if you want it, like all of these overlapping weird things that don't seem like yeah. they're related, right? Yeah. How is art and artists and artsy shit yeah. related to farming? Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? And like, yes. well, we need that to tell our story. We need science to be able to tell our story. And also scientists need artists to tell stories too. And like, but, but we all like kind of, you know, you, you find that intersection or whatever where all those things work together too. Yep. And so how did that come, how did that come into one thing? 
for I mean, it's funny because for me, I started out like thinking that I was an like an ice cream artist. I mean, I don't know how exactly. I don't. It wasn't quite thinking about that, but when I look back on it, I think like it was really funny. Like I really thought that people would care about like my ice cream art. I have a, you know? I have a question about that. Uh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> sorry no. I made that cut you off, but I. I, uh, one of the things I try to get people to think about, uh, you know what, can I put a pin in that and yeah. we'll go, because I don't want to, I don't want to, we're going to, I'm going to wag off course us there, but if we could go to, uh, you just started making ice cream, that was, you know, I, I think I heard somewhere that you had done it for a party or something, is that true? Yeah, well I started, so then I just started making like ice cream all the time and people, and I was like 21, 22 years you old. You were working at a bakery, so you're already like cooking and stuff like yep. that, right? And, yeah. um, and I was like, um, I just started making ice creams and taking the party and people started to, to refer to me as the ice cream girl and like, it just became my thing and that was very encouraging, yeah. right? So now I become known for it, which is another step to, you know, Jedi or whatever. Yeah. Is like when people start to get behind you and support you, like, then it starts to feed, you know, like then you've, you're sort of trying to live up to that and blow, and blow their minds again or whatever, which is a great cycle to get into with your friends Absolutely. when people know you for something. And then, um, and Just also, the fun it's of also like trying to surprise your friends and get yeah. them excited. But and, like yeah. also, it's important as a friend to identify when your friend is doing that and then supporting them and joking with them about it and calling them the ice cream girl and what are you bringing now? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, a, yeah, that's totally. an important role for friends to do and the same thing is true about getting people into politics um, you know what I mean we got to encourage people who yeah, are good at totally. things to do things um, but but anyway I, I, I my sister should go into politics mine too like, go go do it and she's like oh but yeah but that's what perfect. we have to do yeah, absolutely but the same thing is true for me when I was starting out I had friends encouraging me which was great and insp- inspiring and I just kept trying to live up to you know that and going to parties or whatever but you know a few months later I had convinced a friend to 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 convince her family to put up some money and then she and I went into business together and um, did you when you first made ice cream and you're combining smells and all this stuff was it like a magical call to adventure did you feel it like this is weird like something's happening it was like I think that because I had been pursuing the things that I wanted to do and deeply enough that I knew them well I knew art was about in in so many ways telling stories or the stories in front of me and Mm that um, and transporting people and I knew that scent was was also transportive in its own way and like with memory association all that stuff and I knew and I'd always been an entrepreneur since I was a kid so I think I knew I was going to be my own boss and like I was going to have a business at some point and then because of pastry I had I, I was learning so much in the kitchen about how ingredients work together and all of that and because I was doing all of those things the moment that I made the first ice cream and then immediately and really all I did was buy ice cream and mush sent into it so I didn't even I wasn't even interested in actually making Making the ice cream at that point Um, but the moment I took the bite and I realized that like that ice cream is like the perfect carrier of scent in fact the least expensive vanilla ice cream you can buy the cheapest most economic brand right with a completely synthetic vanilla you could think of and at that moment I realized is an edible perfume Right. Because vanilla bean is a is from a flower, and just like rose petal and all of those other ones too, and that there are so many other flowers and herbs and spices that we haven't had the chance to explore that are really gorgeous that ought to be just as popular as vanilla. Um, so in that moment, I That's knew like a massive aha moment. It was That's a, crazy. I like it was truly like the sky opened up, <laughs> yeah. and I that moment was just like um, I I envisioned my future which is exactly what I'm doing now like and I have never wavered from that course man that is amazing and I think it's so I try to encourage people if not everybody 
uh, is in a moment where they're li in their life where that moment has happened to them yet. But I always encourage them, either if it has happened to you, to pay attention to it and get you know really give it space and, and do it, or keep looking out for it. Um, but right but after thing, that, one thing that, that that discourages people from seeing the moment when it's in front of yeah. you is all of your obligations in the world, yeah, and including all of your relationships. Because um, I I have to just I mean I like again I didn't have a lot of obligations. I didn't have you know. Um, people who expected a lot from me. Um, but you were in college. I was in college and I didn't, I didn't have like, um, you know, there, it, it, it wasn't like anybody expected me even to get a degree or certainly, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but the other thing was that I had, and then again, I had friends and people in my life that encouraged that. So that was really important. But like people, if you don't have that, it becomes really difficult. You can't do it, right? Because it is such an uphill battle outside of that small circle that you've got yeah. already. Yep. Everybody that you know don't know very well is gonna discourage you 100%. So, you, <laughs> yeah. so look, I really do think that if you have, you ha we all have to build and be, be a part of both sides of the equation of this, an inner circle that's supportive. We have to be the supporters, we have to lift up our friends when they have these ideas and epiphanies or whatever, and then, and then, and then we have to build our inner circle network to be supporters too because yeah. That I think is the worst thing because we can have these moments of like this would be amazing, I can see this, and then not do anything about it because you're afraid to offend somebody or somebody, you know, it's going to be a conflict with somebody or something in your yeah. life. So whether you're you've had that moment or not, a key part of it is surrounding yourself with people that are going to support you and get excited about your moments and all that. Yeah, like you don't have to tell them like I'm gonna, which I didn't believe right. me at the time. I wasn't like. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna create a company that's gonna set the standard for American ice cream for generations to come. Yeah. Like, I had that idea. I didn't tell everybody that, right? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'm gonna that. make yeah. amazing ice creams. I'm gonna get really good at this, right? Yep. And and so you, know, you don't have to tell everybody everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But just <laughs> just give them enough to encourage you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks from this point on that you went and started Jenny's Ice Cream and it was magical, but that's not what happened. You had a different business first. I did. I had a business that I called Scream Ice Cream. And um, and it was, you know, I quit art school to do it. I actually literally walked out of art class, figure drawing class, um, to just to go start that business and make ice cream. And you walked out of, you remember walking out of a particular class? Well, it's funny, it's an even better story because those those classes, as you probably know, are like three hours long. Yeah. And so like, I always like drawing really big. I like, especially figure drawing class. So I like to like, like stand and draw. And I like, um, so I like round people because it's, e you know, that's yeah. the, you know, your arm yeah. likes to do round things. I like curve, yeah, Me when too. I'm drawing, I like, the curve, like I, I don't like the lanky drawing. It doesn't feel as nice. To well, draw this is me. what happens. So right. I know you understand this. Okay. The lanky, beautiful, but very tall, slim model walk yeah. in, and like she was so cool too. She like rode a motorcycle and she like would walk in. She was really beautiful. I and I see her around town a lot. So. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I never could get a good drawing of her. Right. And because it was more angular, and and I just, you know, I'm not that good at it. I so I, I like just drawing around. I think you can hide things better, right. honestly. Maybe but that's anyway, why I, like I don't because it's like your yeah. arm naturally goes to ang those um, yeah. curves. But um, 
but so I was just like, I can't, and, and I was really excited to get home and make ice cream. And so I was like, I can't sit here for three hours trying to work out the angles of this beautiful person. Like when it is, when I really just want to go home and make ice cream. Yeah. And it was portfolio week and I had all of my supplies there or whatever. And like, I just got up off the drawing horse and walked out, went home. I think I had to ride my bike home. And I made ice cream and I never went back. And like uh, my, my professor, her name was Pia, she was German, found me later at the North Market where I had my first business screen. Yeah. And she was like, do you want that portfolio back? And it was right. the best stuff I had ever done. Yeah. I wish I had, I totally wish I had it now. I mean, it was the best I ever was at art yeah. and illustration. And um, I was like, no, I don't need it. But I mean, that's like a real like uh, leaving home moment where you're like, you tur- you got up, you left and you're like, I'm done with that. I'm going on the journey. I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. And so what, uh, why is Scream not here instead of Jenny's? Well, so I walked, so, I, so, you know, walking out of art school and going and starting a business, like I... Um, first of all, I love service. I was always very, very good at service. I got my first jobs when I was like 15 and I just excelled at service and I mm. love that so much. But for whatever reason at Scream, I, even though I love putting emphasis on others and, and I love service and hospitality and all that, I wasn't able to figure out that like, um, what I thought I was doing was like making items that people would love. They would, it, the adventure would be in coming in and seeing what I had today right. and then I could make something different tomorrow. Yeah. And it didn't occur to me, even though I love service and even though I love people and, and pleasing people, um, that that really isn't why people go to businesses, Yeah. right? Maybe galleries, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm, but but to give me their money, I have to create something that's a craveable reason to return. It took me a long time to figure that out. And so Scream was really always about whatever was new, whatever I was inspired by, whatever I felt like making that day. And uh, very focused on me, honestly, even though I, I didn't see it that way at the time necessarily. I thought it was a really good idea. Um, so what I so after so we closed Scream and you know the thing is prom of course is like if you brought your friends but you had salty caramel which was a flavor that I knew yeah everyone loved and yeah. everyone begged me for all <laughs> yeah. the time and I was just like yeah that's who I am that's what I do I just make other flavors you know I make that sometimes and I sometimes don't um, it was just a big letdown you know and I didn't yeah. realize that until after I closed Scream and we weren't that busy by the end I was better at making ice cream and like. You know, we were we had a small following, but we weren't that busy. We weren't bu- really busy enough to say that it was a successful business. We were paying our bills, and I made six hundred thirty-eight dollars a month take home right. for four years, which is not very much no, to live yeah. off of. Um, and so I'd kind of burned out. Um, but it took me after I closed Screamed to go to another business that I was expecting to get something. Uh, it was a scone at a coffee shop that I really loved, and I was there on a Saturday morning and they didn't have it and they also didn't care that yeah. they didn't have it yep. and I was like you do know that that's the only reason I'm here <laughs> right. like yeah. I don't care about anything else you guys do I don't care about your atmosphere I don't care about your coffee I don't care anything your else. your art I care only about this orange scone that you had that's unique and different in the world that's what yeah. I want and then I realized that that was what I was doing to every customer at Scream and so then immediately this is like six months after we closed Scream I started writing a business plan because now I, I had that worked out like I figured out that you have to create something that's really craveable, mm-hmm. that's really truly beautiful, that the world really does actually need. That's for them. That's for other people. And I was off and running. So I'd love to come uh, camp right here for a second because this is a, the majority of my podcast is uh, talking to creative people who want a career. So it's not just people that want to make art, it's people that want to make a living doing this. And this is the biggest leap that I feel like I had to make in my own journey and, and other people have to make too is, 
Um, I talk about it. I, I can almost only explain things in analogy. I don't know why, but I just can't. I don't know how to talk normal. But I think of art as the ring in Lord of the Rings. And it's like, it's art is this romantic thing. It's a beautiful thing. It'll, it'll give you that depth of meaning in your life and like in your work. So you're like really all in on it. But you can't put the ring on all the time. Like you, you mm. can't just go all, you will lose yourself in your own precious art. If, uh, and you will never really be able to thrive as a business when it's all about you and your art. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened. Is that, is that right? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And, and, and there is this idea that there's this like pure art out there. And yeah. I think artists and I think people who write also search for that. But I don't know if that really does exist because you are always influenced by what other people are saying about you yeah. and what other people, you know, and a lot of times that is like, you are a genius, you're amazing, you're brilliant, you're, I love this or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And like as artists and, and, and creators or whatever, partly because nobody wants to say something negative. I mean, right. Right. But, but also like partly because like being in the creative world and, and, and there are few, fewer of us than there are other kinds of, you know, yeah, yeah, so you right, get that yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's easy to start believing that or it's easy to start thinking like I can like I just need to focus on my art and keep doing it and really truly go the wrong direction totally and it's almost like until you get really in tune with with like um, this I don't know the other side of it it's like I don't know how to explain that but for me I had to go through crisis to get there but like when getting to the other side of it where you where it's like so so simple and focused on the things you really truly truly care about and literally nothing else yep. and can can um, block all that stuff out can you get to like truly making something really beautiful and worthwhile and it's it's weird like mm. so anyway like well, so what were you yeah. gonna say Sorry. I don't know uh, but but I uh, so what like for instance even when it comes down to someone following you on your Instagram like I think artists get into this thing where they think those people are following because they're like isn't that person just amazing? I just want I want to go celebrate that person when nine times out of ten they're following you because of what they get from you, whether that's mm -hmm. how they build their identity or you know what it says about them or what you know what your art does for them. But it's not because they're just like I just want to worship you and celebrate you as a person. Uh, it's a two way street, and I also think it's and really so is weird. entrepreneurship. That's yeah. it's that two way conversation. Everything is, and I, and I don't and like I feel like art can sometimes feel like it's one-sided and it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even like this idea of there's a pure art out there that's like me, just me creating. Yeah. And I just don't think, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure there is somebody out there who gets art in a different plane than I am on or ever will be, but like, I just don't, I think that everything is related deeply to humanity and And, and so people. we're social animals, yeah. right? So like yep. we're, and, and the other thing I think about is uh, all the time is that this is one of those weird myths that I think hurts artists. Like in what, in any other, you know, not just business, but any plane of life, where is this other place where what's most pure is when you're most selfish? Like, you know, when you're most like, you're just doing it for you, don't do it for anybody else. And I always think like, there's no other place in life and there's no other business plan where you go in and you're like, I wanna be a thriving business and it's all about me. It's about me serving myself, and I was thinking, right. how can yeah? That's such a weird, uh, a weird thing that but has become. But so like, such... there's also so like just kind of related to that, or or like just aside for that is too like I I do think about like what compels me is like um, 
it's like a sort of empathy, I guess, but it's like a different kind of empathy. It's, I mean, it's empathy, but it's like almost like, it's the golden rule, basically. It's like, you know, I don't create, I don't attempt to figure out what somebody else wants. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. But I do try to figure out what I want, and I think that other people, you know what I mean? Like, I think that if I do something that I, yeah. And, like and even I, you yeah. did that, you, your lesson came from that because you, uh, you were going through this thing where like, what do I want to do today? I just want to make something new every day and that's what I want to do, so that's me being true. But you found another layer of what you really want when you were going to get that scone because mm-hmm. you're like, well, but what I want from a business is for them to have their greatest hits every time so that I can rely yeah, on Yeah, and like I'm thinking, of, like wanting to make people feel good is a, is a thing, but yeah. it's a weird thing that, that in so many ways, if we just live up to our own standards yeah. and work really hard to continue to constantly tweak that, never rest on your laurels. Like that's all you have to do. It's pure. It's very pure in a way yeah. to try to do that. And even though it's it is complicated because it's, it's not yeah, it's just complicated. it's yeah. It's not just you know um, making whatever you want today. I mean, it's really putting some thought into like what. What does what would I what does the world need for me today? Yeah, you know what could I do that would I don't know. And so okay, so th- this seems like uh, this was kind of the moment where you pull the sword from the stone when you realize like you are a fantasy and sci-fi person. I, so am I. Good. Okay. That is like exactly <laughs> how like I'm like I don't not a day goes by where I'm not like pulling lessons from the fantasy that's and what sci-fi I, world. I, that's how I understand mm-hmm. life. I don't me know too. why, but it's my it, entire approach like I'm like I will do a whole. I don't know. I could do a TED talk on on leadership lessons from fantasy. So I think it's the only that's like where I go. Yeah, that me too. Like my whole my uh, you know big talk where I tell my story and and my main like principles all kind of follow the uh, this kind of path and it's a fantastical path. I, th- yeah. I always say it's like it's like Zelda. If your creative career was Zelda, this podcast is your walkthrough. Like it's not your cheats. But it'll help you get through the path and find the sword and it's all so that great. Kind of and I, stuff. yeah, that's so great. I love it. So, I love all. Yeah. yeah. So you. So uh, this moment where you're like, you know, they want salty uh, caramel ice cream like every time. They. Uh, this is kind of the a breakthrough moment, and you start writing the plan, and you open up, and and that's where. Yeah, and I open up again in the North Market, which which means that I had to really beg them to give me another shot. Yeah. Um which meant that I had to get a job at the market. I had to quit my other job, get a job at the market so that I could show that I, and dress really nicely every time I was there and treat everybody really well and make a lot of friends and like, you know, work it, own it. You know, I think like half the time, if you want to do something or work for somebody or get to know somebody or like get a mentor or like whatever, you just go hang out where they're at. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't tell you how many people we've hired simply because they're just at our shop all the time. Yes, You just go stand by them. And that was like, I mean, that's like half of the thing or yes. whatever. And if they say no once, you'd be like, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. it's like another year goes by and you're like, we're still here. Yeah. Are and, you around yeah. those people? Are you there? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You yes. just don't, you don't say, you know, you don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Um, people that say, I want to be an illustrator. I'm like, well, you know, what who, are you, who doing you hanging right out now? with? Who are you connecting with? Who are you trying to, you know, 
Do you know any illustrators? No. Have you ever tried to meet any? No. Same with chefs. Uh, like, yeah. go, just go stand by it. Just go figure out how to be as close to a chef as you can. There's that osmosis. Mm -hmm. There's no greater education. It changes no. who you are fundamentally. And honestly, what, yeah. you don't need to go to school to do any of this. No. Go find somebody you think is doing something really great and just hang out wherever they are. And it will change you. Yeah. In a way and that do a really good job. Yep. And eventually, if you're earning it, they'll pay attention to you. If you earn it, but that was that was my life then. Like so, I closed Scream and I wanted to open Jenny's, and uh, I had was was writing a business plan. I was actually selling ice cream out of my house. Yeah. So I was bringing ice cream to the market. I was I threw a party and I would give out invitations and like had I had an ice cream party and just in 2001 and like I mean I just was there all the time. Yep. To get them to change their mind, which of course eventually they did. Like I was not there was not going to be a no. Yeah. Because the other thing is we're lucky in Columbus that we have the market. True. There's no way this business would have would have started as a freestanding location. It costs yeah. $40,000 to start Jenny's. I mean, it cost $1,200 to start it in a way because that was my ice cream machine at home. And then once we did that, we were able to get the loan because we were proving some sales. I mean, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and then $40,000, what later we, you know, we get in the market, but it would have cost $250,000 to open um, uh, with a door on Main Street or High Street, you know, and it just Do you think that work. it's kind of, I never even really thought about it. I was just, I talked to my wife, <laughs> all the time about why does Columbus have the best food? And do you think it's almost like an incubator for mm -hmm. for food? I think it is, but I also, like, I think that this is a city of entrepreneurship. I mean, this True. city, it's, it's entrepreneurs, but it's also like entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs and people helping entrepreneurs and people helping each other. This like, you know, I think like, um, you know, I don't really think Columbus is the Midwest because I'm actually from the Midwest. I'm from the middle of, P of Illinois, Peoria. Right. Um, and it's just different there, and I love it there. But um, but the Midwest has a reputation for being nice, just nice. Yeah. And that's yeah. great, and that's fine. Um, and I think Columbus is a nice place too. But, I mean, full of nice people. But I think that we have, like, one little extra helping of something with that, like that we are actually helpful. Mm. To be helpful is to be nice and nosy, mm. right? It's yeah. like you're in somebody's way. Like, what are you doing? Like, like, you go sit at a bar in Columbus. I used to do this all the time when I was younger and um, didn't mind. You know, I would just go sit at a bar after work or whatever, and you make friends. Mm. Like, that's just not the way it is. So I travel all the time. It's not the same way in other cities. No. Yeah. Not so much. Mm -hmm. It is very unique. So I've lived all over the place, and we've lived here for three years. And I, I'm in this constant place where I, I don't want to be, where I'm on the coast visiting, doing talks and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I turn into that that person that you don't want to be, which is like, no, you don't understand. Yes, Go to I Columbus. Know. Go check it out. You won't believe and also, what like, it's like. I don't care what your opinion is about Columbus. True. Yeah. In totally. a way, it's like I, I do the same thing. And yeah. it's like either either people get it already and they know and they love it because there are so True. many True. Everyone that Columbus. visits here, yeah, they, they and know. And there are so many Ohioans. Like, there are more Ohioans and outside of Ohio. And Ohio is its own thing. It's a, br mm -hmm. a breed all, all yeah. All its but own. like the weird thing about Columbus, now we're turning Columbus, but I, but I really do think it's true. Like, we don't have that sort of navigable waterway. We were never a big city. We were not St. Louis, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Right, yeah, right. Like, <clears throat> those big industrial cities, we never were that. So our future, our, like, our history is in our future. It's unwritten. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, and even though we do have an amazing history, and, you know, Ohio was the original Wild West, that our founding fathers um, saw this as an incredible experiment, experiment because Ohio was the first state that was not a colony, that had never been a colony. Right. So through Marietta and like the Ohio, over the Ohio River versus under the Ohio River and all this stuff, like mm. there's an incredible history here of the people who came to Ohio yeah. and um, then became us and then of course the, the people who went westward. But um, but nevertheless, Columbus as a city really hasn't had a, um, or I, everybody here 
you know, we have great bones, we have an incredible, incredible group of people who've been working on the city for a long time that we can link into. And it's because of them that we have this bright future ahead of us. And I feel like everybody here knows that our history is being written right now. It is a, like a bustling, Yeah, like and if you don't come here time. unless you want to work on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas you go to Brooklyn because it's already done. Exactly. You know, and you want to, and you want that to rub off on you. I you think come this here is more you of a wild card. Like I think a lot of people look for the, you know, the natural next step in that kind of progress. That's obvious as people are looking at Detroit because you know it bottomed out. Artists move in. It's like the obvious next like big thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly think that in ten years people will be blown away by Columbus. I mean, I think uh, yeah, they I think so are, too. But... And and like I, I would just also just think that like America is shifting so much that yeah. so much is you can live anywhere in America. True. There's so yeah. many things there happening, are, and yeah. I'm so happy that like it's not about the coasts anymore. Yes, me too. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. really not like that's those places are amazing and full of history, and I love those places too, and the people who live there. But it's really about um, some people like me really need to be in a place where I can build versus. Um, slot in. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know, the reason I'm not anti-coast at all, but the reason I am really thrilled about what's happening now is that uh, for the people like I was when I was a kid who had never met any artist, never met anybody doing create, I had, I literally, I literally, when I was in high school, I thought my only, my plan B, which was really my plan A because I didn't have a plan B, was like, maybe I could fake insanity and they'll they'll take care of me like i don't know what i'm gonna right, do like right. so i gotta figure out and i have so no funny. path there's no there's no, i saw nobody like me thriving yep and i think that that is the amazing thing about it not being so creativity not being so relegated to the coast well yeah. and also like think about i mean i think about the role that columbus plays in and, and it always has like um ohio has so, illinois doesn't have this but ohio does because it's such an old state we have so many small towns. We have a yeah. lot of medium-sized <clears throat> towns too, and and some big cities. But like we have so many towns, you can ride your bike twenty minutes between towns, right? All the way up to Cleveland from Columbus or Cincinnati. Yeah. Like I mean, it's just we're we have a small footprint state, giant population, but but nevertheless, in these rural areas, which are wonderful and yep. have great cultures and pop and and whatever, but like more conservative. And yeah. some of those those little boys and girls who are out there are dreaming about the bigger city because yeah. they know that that's where they're going to find their people and their you know group and we can be that those kids oh, some of them actually quite a few of them will end up in New York and, and LA and other places too but so many more will end up in places like Columbus yes. and yeah. it's just wonderful to be that for those amazing kids who are yeah. um you know, colorful in those rural communities, which are a little bit less accepting of that. Yep, and you know, even talking about doing the Saturday classes at CCAD, mm -hmm. I've heard, I've literally heard that story over and over. All the people around here that I find that are doing really interesting things said, yeah, I did these Saturday art classes at CCAD. And that... Well, and let me tell you what changed my life about that. It was um, one of the first places, that and also getting a job, where I was treated not as a kid, but a grown up or just as a human being, I guess. As a human, and yeah, right. Like my illustration teacher there um, was not kind. Mm. He was really strict and like I loved it. How interesting is that? He that would like awesome. throw stuff <laughs> yeah. and like I like, loved it Like not kind as so the best possible much. thing, yeah. Yeah, because he was hard on us. He expected like a lot from us. He That's treated amazing. us like we were capable can you say who it doing was or that. not? I have no idea <laughs> okay. who he was, but, right. you know, and it's a long time ago, but like, yeah. 
I loved that um, I would be I was a little bit scared to go every day whether it was illustration or painting or any of the the teachers and professors that were, I had there you were nervous because you had to like live up to going well, I there sat and doing up the thing straight yeah. and I was paying attention and I wanted it, to make it sure took the that, best of yep. you and I would have done that in school if somebody had inspired me in that way or if I was taking something that inspired me in that way right um, which I'm sure that some kids Amazing. do but yeah. like not, it wasn't for me I loved it I really loved it so much I loved being you know yelled at and um, having high yeah. high standards for my work. It's calling, yeah, that, that's amazing. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with Jenny's now and kind of know a lot of the rest of that story. Uh, but one thing I wanted to, I always like to end on is, what are you really excited about now? What are the things that are making you most passionate, most I don't know if you're like me, I get into like states of euphoria when I'm like in my passion thing and my season uh, of life that I'm in. What are the things that are just like jazzing you up right now? Well, the thing that I'm like the most excited, the thing that like gets me out of bed that I'm like super excited about, which is like, you know, it's sort of like the last room in the house, the room that nobody ever gets to in ice cream or whatever, but it's it's the thing that excites me the most about ice cream and it's the like the puzzle mm. of ice cream. Ice cream is a, um, there's like, 20th century ice cream, which is just like stabilizers and an off-the-shelf ice cream mix that you put flavorings in. Yeah. And then there's what we do, which is taking milk apart and putting it back together um, in a certain way, more like a cheesemaker makes cheese. It's really a craft. It's a different thing. And no one's doing that. But it's also because of that very complicated. But but because every one of our ice cream, to the extent that it needs to be, is a different recipe. And so we're bringing flavors forward in that way. But there's so much more work that we can do there. And so And like I buzz with excitement with that as every year and right now we're like we're doing this other improvement with body and texture and it's all about body and texture like those are, that's actually the interesting work going on in ice cream for me I was versus ask you, what's flavor good, what is good ice cream what what is that is what is that for you well it's um well I like to call it American hard body ice cream um, <laughs> um kind of cleverly but it's the kind of ice cream that you roll up in a scoop you know it's the American ice cream it's that what you had at a scoop shop when you were a kid yeah. Um, and you can walk down on the street on a hot day and like lick off of a cone and it's that ice cream. And I love all ice creams, but like that's my favorite mm. and that's the kind we make. But it's actually much more complicated than it seems to do. It's very easy to make if you just buy an ice cream base, which is what literally everybody in the entire industry does, right. and put your flavorings and chocolate chips in it. But it's a different thing if you want to really like not use stabilizers and thickeners and emulsifiers and just use the power of milk protein, which is something I discovered a long time ago. And um, and so for me, great ice cream is super creamy, and it's got this, and, and stabilizers dull flavors, and so flavors should really pop out and mm. be the right thing and whatever. And so um, we've just redone our strawberry ice cream. Like every year I redo every single ice cream that we do, right, to tweak yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. It's never like one standard recipe that has been my entire career. Um, so this, you know, our strawberry ice cream is just gonna just be absolutely amazing this yeah. year. It's, and um, is it like uh, finding a new, flavor that is like gonna be at one of the flavors is that like writing a new song for you where you're like discuss you're like trying a bunch of things when you taste it you're like yeah like you have that kind of euphoric moment yeah, yeah. i mean and and now after 20 almost 23 years doing this i have so many flavors that we've made that like i want to bring back that like i almost don't need to do more flavor development right. i mean there are hundreds that i have or dozens at least that i love so much um, and we don't have room for them. And so we're also developing, you know, several flavors every year. And that's, 
and then tweaking things forward all the time. So yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know, it's fun, and I and I do love new flavors. Right now, we're working on these um, non-dairy ice creams, which um, I only did because I had an idea that worked. Right. For that, that yeah. is actually really, 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 really good, and I like it as well, if not better, yeah. than any of our other ice creams, and so. Um, I'm really excited about those and what the potential of those are. And that's new, a new flavor platform for us. And that's been really fun. All right. Last one. Okay. Promise. Uh, one of the things, I reference you a lot uh, and maybe, you know, maybe not accurately in this way, but one of the things that inspires me about you is this mission to do the world's greatest ice cream. And I, and I think, you, I feel like I'm always encouraging people to own their purpose like what their their little plot of land on this earth and just give themselves over to it and do their thing. And if we all did those things, what the world would be like, right? And I think some people would hear the world's greatest ice cream and hear what a small thing to do with your life, like ice cream. You're just going to make ice cream. And then other people would hear it and think, who are you? That's the bit, how, you know, why do you deserve to do such a big thing? Um, does that, I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of emotion going on uh, with you right now with that. I'm just curious to hear you speak to what that purpose has done in your life, where it's taken you, what you've been able to do because of having this like laser focused like purpose. Does that resonate with yeah, you, all that does. kind of stuff? Um, yeah, Like I, um, I knew early in my ice cream making days that I wasn't making the world's best ice cream. Right. And I knew every day that I made ice cream that I was unlocking new secrets to ice cream that I didn't know before. And a few years into it, many, maybe many years into it, I started to really re understand ice cream in a way that I, was, I began to make ice creams that nobody had made before. Mm -hmm. That even at Ohio State University and Penn State and other places, they didn't think we could pull off. And then it was like, okay, you know, it was just like, it's this, it truly is, um, you make your, like an idea is like a nugget, it's a moment and that's fine. But it's literally worth nothing. It's worth less. An idea is worth less than nothing because it's a distraction if you don't act on it, right? Right. It can cost you. Yeah. But, um, and an idea is one, is one thing and it's kind of an, it, 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 it you know, put, takes you forward a little bit. But the vision is the most important thing. So an, a vision is an idea when you lens it out and project it into the future and see what it can become and what it can do. Engineer and it also and it's like, it happen. the vision is like, how will this impact people if I do it? If I can do this ice cream, how will this, what will this do for the world? What will mm. this do for people? Yeah. How will people use it? And, um, and I was like, gosh, ice cream is like a thing. It's like an experience, it's what we do. It's like, you know, see a movie and get ice cream. It brings people together, that's the whole thing. And, like, and so the idea became a vision. Well, let's do this incredible ice cream and let's like, you know, set the standard for American, let's redo American ice cream. I mean. You know why not? You know, set your vision to be the, the you know, shoot for the moon, yeah, and then take one step forward every day. Um, it, where we get in trouble, I think, with these kinds of visions is when people think that overnight we're going to be the next whatever. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because that isn't at all how it happens. It's just one step forward every day. And actually, the the less you know about something, the better, because right. you don't hold yourself. I couldn't have held. I wouldn't have held. I have a much higher standard. My North Star is like, you know, it's like elusive because it keeps getting further and further yeah, away in a yeah. way because the more I learn, Which then drives it's, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it keeps driving me. So 
Um, so the less you know in a way when you start, then you just keep starting, and then it's like, oh yeah, and then I can do this. It keeps you really interested and inspired. Yeah. But um, but I'm all for setting big goals, big visions, and then you know you got your life. You got a life to figure that out mm-hmm. slowly over time. But that becomes your. I mean, I I think of, I I I that's the quest that I'm on. Yes. That's the reason that I get to have a company because um, we. That's why we call it the fellowship. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like we're yeah. ser- like. We are all together, our farmers, makers, growers, and our team on this quest to make this ice cream that the world has never seen, even today. That's amazing. So anyway, so it's like, why not write yourself into some kind of a story like that? That idea uh, is so giant. The difference between an idea and a vision, saying uh, an idea is the world's greatest ice cream. Great. And it's not inspiring. It's not going to move you. It's not going to do anything to you. But when you see the vision of what does the world's greatest ice cream do? It brings people together. It reinvents how they think about ice cream. It changes all these interactions. It builds with pride in, Ameri- in something that's that's unique for America because yeah. I think American ice cream is the best in the world. And even a, the a, Italians a, might disagree with me, but I'm going to put mine out there as a and to compete. Yeah. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, absolutely. And even starting smaller than that, Columbus. I mm-hmm. when I go around to places, I say, you know, Jenny's is from Columbus, so. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. really? Wow, yeah. And so you know, there there is real pride in that, and and that bigger vision is the thing that get you up every day to push it further and it is completely different than just an idea. Yeah, um, once you secure that vision and it clicks with you and I was just talking to another entrepreneur last night and she was she had done another business before and she said that now that she has this new business and like it really clicked and I think once you get that click where you just know mm. it's hard to wake up and not and have not that be it. the first thing you think about. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, and when yeah, that when that happens then you have to do it because you will, it will never go away. Yes. And so you don't want to be 75 years old and still thinking about it. Yeah. In a place where like your body's feeling you and you can't even pull it off now. You know what I mean? Man, that's incredible. Do you have a favorite flavor? Um, I do. It's our yogurt. I love our buttermilk frozen yogurts. Uh, And those are flavors that I've worked on forever too. I mean, I started literally the first day in business in 1996. Um, but they're really tart. They're like yeah. our version of sherbet. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, really tart, but also really creamy and really fruity. Yes. Right now we have rainbow sherbet. I saw that. I, I, like it's not sherbet because sherbet is a federally defined right. product, <laughs> right. and it's not the same. But it it has that same. Is the uh, is the is the lambic one in that category? Like the cherry lambic. Yeah. Um, that's sorbet. So okay. no dairy in that. Our okay. yogurts actually have um, a good dose of cream too. All right. Um, and so they're really creamy and really tart. I think uh, the uh, Brambleberry Crisp is my all-time favorite. I'm oh, yeah. insane for it. That my one was a part of a collection bonkers. we did in 2009. Yeah. Um, inspired by Appalachia. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It tastes like pie and ice cream at the same time. Yeah, right? Oh, man, I'm crazy about it. We're, we're crazy about it. I'm sure that my, my diet... I love you, but my diet doesn't always. It's always a balance. You know, ice cream, I can eat ice cream for a meal, but I. Me too. You know I, what do. I mean? like Sometimes I'll have I eat din- a lot of my vegetables. dinner will be one of your uh, ice cream sandwiches. I'm like, that's yep. my dinner, yep. and that'll be. That's how that's I fine. do it. Yeah. You're a pro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This was the best. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, man, don't you just adore this human? got so much to give and I'm so glad that we got to get some of this uh, creative brilliance on the show and I'm so thrilled to be in the same city as her and uh, her delicious ice cream and this ice cream movement. Uh, Go go get some ice cream. Go get some Jenny's uh, however you have to 
and taste the brilliance. Thank you so much, Jenny, for being on the show and sharing your story. Um, we all super, super appreciate it. <sighs> so, all right, another episode down. We are uh, moving right along. We get This is episode 178. Can you believe that? Holy goodness. Uh, <laughs> all right, anyway, oh, I will be back next week. Thanks for listening. If you're a big Creative Pep Talk fan, there's a few ways you can give back if you feel inclined to do so. You can give us a review on iTunes. You can become a patron and support it financially by going to patreon.com slash Talk. You can go get some CPT merch at creativepeptalk.com slash shop, including the new Creative Career Path booklet to help you develop and market your work and break into new industries. Um, go check it out at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. You can also get access to the first 100 episodes of the show and stay up to date when new shows drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thank you so much. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for the theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for some of the other tunes. Big shout out to my man, Alex Sugg, uh, for all uh, the editing and other tunes. He's crushing it on that front. Thank you guys so much for listening every week. Uh, I am so, I'm so honored to be a part of this community that has gathered around this idea of, you know, being a creative, but also still thriving in life. Uh, you know, I'm so dedicated to this mission and being a part of this thing with you. And so until we speak again, stay pepped up.